Welcome back to the Man Catholic Podcast. I'm Steve Priest. I'm Thomas Wirtz. And I'm Brock Martin. I'm Father Kevin Dyer. We have Father Kevin Dyer back. Yeah, we are baby. talking about going to the ends of the earth for the gospel. This time. All right, this topic is super close to my heart. I just got back from the Camino Santiago, and we called this podcast episode to the ends of the earth because St. James, when he was an apostle, uh, I like to tell a story. So I'm just gonna, I'm going to back up even further, and I'm going to take this back to um, just after Jesus ended his three-year ministry, and he was crucified, and this is in Matthew 28. 18, and Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you, and I will be with you until the end of the age. And then he ascended. And I love placing myself in this scene because I want to know what the apostles, what the disciples who were there, what their faces looked like as they watched our Lord ascend. I want to know what their faces looked like when he was gone and they looked at each other. And I want to know what the first words they said were. What do we do now? Where do we go? To whom shall we seek? And if we if we zoom in on three of those apostles, Peter, James, and John, Peter was given a very specific leadership role. He was given the keys to the kingdom. He was called to be the first pope of the Catholic Church. We look at John, and on the cross, Jesus looks down at John, and he says, John, uh, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. And James being the third kind of best friend of Jesus, we see Peter, James, and John at different scenes with Jesus. He, they were there in the agony of the garden. They were there at the transfiguration, at the uh, raising of uh, Jairus' daughter. And and so we see these three being brought into a much deeper kind of role relationship with our Lord than the other apostles. And if I'm James and I see Peter get the keys to the kingdom and I see John now get to take care of, of the blessed mother... I'm a little ticked that I just watched our Lord ascend and I never got a job, right? This whole time he's probably thinking like, when's my job? Like I'm like, he, I, again, Peter got his job when Jesus was still alive. John got his job when Jesus was on the cross. James probably thought, oh gosh, I lost my opportunity. But then Jesus resurrects he and, was number and three. James is like, this is it. I, this is my moment. And he never gets it. And if I'm James, I'm a little ticked. But what James does, I believe, is is he sits back and says, okay, I'm free. I'm free to go to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Now, 1,500 years later, where does Christopher Columbus sail to find the, quote, new world? The ocean blue. He sails, no, he sails the ocean blue. He sails from <laughs> Portugal. Right. Um, and, and it was Spain who King Ferdinand Queen Isabella who funded his trip. So 1,500 years later, they thought that that was the end of the earth, right? If you go to the n- corner of northwest Spain, there's a little town called Finistera. It used to be Fin de Tierra, and in Spanish, that means end of the earth. James knew that Finistera, that area, was a, a pagan inhabited area, and he wanted to go to the ends of the earth to evangelize with the gospel of Jesus. So he did. He got on a boat, and he sailed through the Mediterranean Sea up around the peninsula there, and in through a, a little cove and docked his boat a short distance from Finisterra. And after two years, he realized he was a massive failure. He had only made two disciples. Hmm. And King Herod, in order to please the Jews, as scripture tells us, sent for James, brought him back to Jerusalem and killed him, cut his head off. And all the apostles were still alive. And I bet James thought, wow, I blew it. I blew it. I didn't do anything. I went to Spain. I went to the ends of the earth. I was willing to do all these great things, but I blew it. Well, these two disciples got his body. They brought his body back to where I believe maybe they met James in Northwest Spain, and they buried him in this little field. 
in this field of stars in Spanish Compostela. Years and years go by, and these three graves were found in this field of stars. James in the middle and the two disciples on either side. Hmm. And Christians all around Europe at the time found this out and left their homes and started walking to venerate the tomb of St. James. And so here we are 2,000 years later, and I just got done walking the Camino Santiago to the tomb of St. James, along with thousands of other pilgrims from around the world. In those two years, St. James built a foundation that changed millions of lives Mm. throughout hundreds of years that he never saw the fruit of that. Blood of the martyrs waters the seeds of... Seeds of the church. Seeds of the church. Thank you. And what we're talking about right now is going to the ends of the earth, uh, not only in evangelization, which is a previous episode, but I want to talk about the beauty of pilgrimage. And I think so often we get distracted. We think as men, we need to do something. Let's do something. Let's get our hands dirty. Let's, let's, let's plant things or let's fix things or let's build things. And I think so often we need to take a step back and work on our interior life. And I think we can still do something really adventurous and work on our interior life. And I think that intersection is a pilgrimage. Mm, I love it. And the beauty of the Camino Santiago and my heart just being on fire right now, having just come off this, I just want to talk about what pilgrimage is and why it's important. And I know Father Kevin Dyer, who's here joining us today, um, has a, a lot of passion and excitement about pilgrimages as well. And so I just, uh, I present that topic today for us uh, to talk about a little bit. You have a very good Spanish accent too, by the way. Thanks. I know Spanish. Ignatius of Loyola. He kind of did a pilgrimage, didn't he? Like at the start of his conversion, all sorts of pilgrimages like after a Spanish he, saint as well. Spanish saint. Yeah. He was yeah, Basque. Grew up. Uh, yeah. Basque. And which is in Spain. But. After he got hit by the cannonball, which was 500 years ago, we just celebrated the anniversary 500 years since the cannonball has his conversion and just says, all right, I'm hitting the road and starts walking. You have so much to thank a cannonball for mm-hmm. so much as a Jesuit. Yeah. For 500 years since the cannonball, 400 years since his canonization. Wow. The only saint to be canonized twice. Oh, <laughs> there it is. Brock was the I last will, to laugh. In case, I will use that. <laughs> in case you didn't notice, Brock was the last to laugh on that. I mean, he didn't get it right away. No, I did not. I was, that took me a second. <laughs> but St. Ignatius yeah, went out and he wanted to go to a Marian shrine in Montserrat. And it was there that he, yeah, after that journey, lays his sword down yes, and says, altar, I'm changing yeah. my life. Mm-hmm. But then he wanted to go to the Holy Land. Mm-hmm. Like that was... Yep. That was his goal. I'm making it to the Holy Land. He did it one time and wanted to go back there a second time, but then that's where God took over the pilgrimage. Yeah. He had all the early Jesuits ready to hop the boat in Venice and go to the Holy Land, maybe to get killed. And for the first time in who knows how many years, the boat didn't take off mm. and God took over the pilgrimage and says, I want you to walk someplace else. Wow. Mm. Just yeah, it's an amazing way in which you know, pilgrimage for them meant you know I am seeking and finding the Lord, and at yep. some point He's taken over. Yeah, it's a perfect blend because you talked about we like to do stuff as men, mm-hmm. but we need to step back and care for our soul. And a pilgrimage is us doing something. Typically, we're walking. I guess you could drive, but let's just say you're walking. It's a physical exertion, so yep. you're doing something, but it's in a quiet. So your soul, you're seeking a grace. You're going to venerate someone. Maybe you're doing it shoulder to shoulder with other men or yep. other other people. So I think it, it's a very 
fitting masculine spiritual activity. Yeah. And you don't have to go to Spain or the Holy Land to do this. Now, I do want to quickly share with everyone listening that there are three main pilgrimages of the Catholic Church. There's Rome, there's the Holy Land in Jerusalem, and the Camino Santiago is the third. And it's it's one that a lot of people don't even know about. Mm. And it is right up there with Rome and the Holy Land. But you might be thinking, gosh, Steve, I'm, I, I can't afford it or I don't have the time to go across the country. How can I encounter this idea of pilgrimage right here where I live? Father, what would you say to that? You may know that I, am, that I have a particular love for the city of New Orleans. Mm. And you and I both, Father. What a great place. Really Mainly because of the sausage? I mean, it's the, called boudin. The Thomas boudin and the beignets. If you say and, that word wrong, it's just got to edit it. You know, I was a campus missionary in Louisiana, and went, after one semester, I gained fifteen pounds mm-hmm. because everything is oh. smothered in etouffee and deep mm-hmm. fried. Yeah, same here. It's beignets, true. those are good too. Yeah, sorry, but, Father. Right. Back well, to New Orleans. New Orleans people are people who love. They love parades. They love getting out walking, you know, to work off all of the butter that they've been eating <laughs> over the course of the year. But on so here's one example of pilgrimage in the New Orleans life. On Good Friday, mm-hmm. there's the tradition of the nine churches walk. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so we would start out eight in the morning, uptown at St. Stephen's, mm-hmm. and then we'd just start walking. And we'd make it to nine churches by the time three o'clock rolled around. And mm-hmm. we did three o'clock services at Barone Street downtown. Isn't it after the Holy Thursday? That's what I was is, thinking of, but I think that's it, seven. Some some traditions are to do it Thursday night after. Is that the Italian tradition probably? Maybe I don't know if it's tr- Italian or what it is. In St. Louis, we definitely, like we would go to three churches after the Holy Thursday service. Yeah. But New Orleans, it was Friday during the day wow, okay. and you walked cool. across town. I want to yeah. start it in Denver. I want to get it it. this year in Denver. Let's find nine churches that we can... Can we get electric bikes? Well, Thomas, you were telling us... No, we can't do that. Um, You were telling us, um, gosh, earlier today that you and some of your roommates here in Denver just left your door one day where Mm -hmm. you guys were living and walked. There's a a shrine to St. Francis Cabrini here in Denver, right Mm -hmm. up the mountains a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you guys just walked from your house right up to that shrine. It took us six hours. We just walked with some cliff bars and some water bottles. That's and awesome. that idea of we're going to do a pilgrimage, we're going to yep. walk, we can't go to Spain. Sure. But there's a shrine here, or even if there's a church in your town. Or just town a church, yeah, a just relic gather somewhere and, yeah. and walk somewhere. Or a cathedral, every, you know, or a yep. basilica. There's lots of options, yeah. And be intentional in that time. So on the Camino, uh, what Focus does, and so I've done the Camino three times now, once as a student, once as a missionary, and then while well, I'm still a missionary, I work for Focus, and... I've done it three times, and each time we do, for the first three miles, a holy quiet hour, and and it starts our day walking. So for three miles, it's about 20 minutes a mile. We would just walk in complete silence. We're not talking to anyone, not each other, not strangers. We're just walking in silence. And then we break that silence with a rosary. These are practical things that you can do, again, right in the city that you're at. You gather a couple buddies, and you say, hey, let's pilgrimage from one church to another, and we're going to be intentional with our time. We have a previous podcast about intentionality go back and listen to that one but be intentional with the time on this pilgrimage that you can do in, in your own backyard uh, so one of the things about pilgrimage that i think is so fascinating is is the like the big pilgrimage where we're going across the ocean to a different country or if we're going to, to some religious or sacred site that's in our backyard but it's the concept of getting out of the ordinary it's it's kind of shaking us out of yes. the the regular ho-hum of life where we're going from one thing to the next one day to the next and one thing that it reminds me of is if if you if you get the chance to go through the salvation history bible study 
uh, ask a focus missionary. It's on focus equip. If you get the chance to look it up, but go look at what happens when Moses leads the Israelites out of Egypt. And we see a really cool principle. God wants to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Yes. But more importantly, he wants to bring Egypt out of the Israelites. And I think pilgrimage or, or going on a, on a mission to some extent to go and venerate something outside of ourselves has that twofold effect on us, right? It gets us out of the ordinary, but in doing that, it starts to take the things that we are attaching ourselves and are attaching themselves to us. It takes that away from us. And I think there's a really cool interplay of, yeah, we get to go get out of the ordinary, but, but God actually in that process can begin stripping us away the things that need to be stripped away and can take that stuff out. And I, I love, you know, hearing you talk about the Camino, it sounds like that was certainly an aspect of your experience. I think pilgrimage, it's a great display of our devotion and our faith, whether we think we're, we have very strong faith or strong devotion. It's, it's something that God is going to take and do amazing things with. When we get out, we walk, we sweat, or we freeze if it's cold out, whatever it is. And just the witness to the, to the world around us, you're walking down streets in a city or in some little town, someone's going to see you. And, and it's just you saying, Lord, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pray for a grace. I'm going to pray for healing, something, whatever it is, or just do it as an act of veneration. But it's a great way for us to physically show our devotion, our faith. Um, and, and again, as men, we like to do stuff physical. So love it. One thing that as we think through practically going on a pilgrimage, again, whether it's it's a big one across the ocean or, or one in our backyard, I think practically, I think it's really important to think about who who are those brothers that are going to be mm with you side to side who are the are the men and you know if you're married or if you're uh if you've got female family members that you want to engage in this with that's great too but i think for us men to think through who are who are the brothers that i can engage in this yep. activity with i think thomas that was one of the stories that you know, in your hike and your pilgrimage up to cabrini mm-hmm. it was awesome hearing about how getting onto that pilgrimage kind of creates the space for some amazing conversation amazing brotherhood to yep. kind of form um and I, and I think that there's there's actually something on the masculine heart totally. that yeah. finding brothers to do this with is really, really good. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Brock. So Emilio Estevez and Martin Sheen made a movie about the Camino Santiago 10, 12 years ago called The Way. Go look it up. Great movie. It's kind of a modern day Wizard of Oz uh, story where there's these four characters who are on the Camino Santiago and they're all on it for a different reason. They're all on pilgrimage for a different reason. And Father, if you could maybe just briefly speak into this before we wrap up. Individuals can go on pilgrimage because they are in reparation for sin, maybe. Maybe they're dealing with a certain wound or struggle that they want to think through, pray through. What are some some spiritual reasons we can also uh, attach to the this idea of pilgrimage? Well, it can be you know, where I am right now. I'm just not finding the Lord. Mm. So you know, as brought up before, I need to get out of the familiar. You know, Ignatius had to get out of his castle, needed to get out of those influences. Mm-hmm. And be in a in a different place. So it can be very consciously, Lord, I'm just searching for you. It can be reparation for sin, and that was big in the in the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. The trip to the Holy Land, it was very explicitly to be in the place mm-hmm. where Jesus lived. Like yep. he wanted to see the dirt. Yep. Mm-hmm. He wanted to feel the air. He wanted to know what it smelled like. I mean, mm-hmm. he wanted to be there's something about being in a place. We are flesh and blood yep. that we want that flesh and blood experience yep. of the sacred. And I think even men specifically, right? Uh, like we just so yeah. often were the ones who were like, well, I prove it. You know, I want to see it. I want to hit Thomas, you know, until I put my finger in his hand and, and my hand in his side, I'm not going to believe. And uh, I'm not saying that's a good thing to pursue, but we, but that is us as men. We just, we want to experience it. Mm. I'm just, I'm going to go back to, to your point of, it, this could be a great invitation for guys that maybe aren't Sunday mass goers. They're not regular, regularly faithful, but have a little tinge of faith. Hey, do you want to come walk six miles with me? That might be a, it could an, be a 
cool very attractive invitation for yeah. them and it's it's easy they just got to walk maybe it's a hard walk hopefully it's a little hard um, but a great experience of grace hopefully for their life so I think I that's that. a spectacular point we found that in New Orleans where you know we're with a group of 200 people sometimes mm-hmm. from the high school and it was a moment where you know some of the people are very much practicing their faith other people like they're just they got those questions and this is a way for them to take the next step, yep. you know, no pun intended, yeah. <laughs> and to to make a little journey closer to the Lord. It's a great way of bringing people in. Father, thanks so much for joining us again. If you're listening to this and you want to check out a pilgrimage to Rome, to the Holy Land, the Camino, or somewhere else in the world, Focus does offer all of these pilgrimages and more. You can find them at focusmissions.org. If you're a college student, alumni, a former college student, um, who was involved with Focus. I know they've got a trip to the Holy Land that they're planning right now. So check that out. Also, your parish probably has a pilgrimage. Absolutely. They check out your year, parish. Like uh, if you're a mission partner, benefactor of Focus, let us know and, and we have some options for you guys as well. Thanks so much, uh, Father, again, for joining us and for your fantastic joke of uh, St. Ignatius being canonized, canonized twice. twice. Man. <laughs> Thanks for being us. It's all I got. <laughs> Let's uh, go to the ends of the earth with the gospel. Let's go on pilgrimage and meet our Lord. That's it for today. God bless, guys. <laughs> <laughs>